So, Mark. Yes. Last week, I asked you to use your imagination. It was really hard, but I think I succeeded. We're going to exercise that muscle. I need you to do it again for me. Oh, goodness. I don't know if I'm prepared. Imagine that you've been separated from someone very important in your life. Okay. Like me. Sure, as is going to happen soon. (laughs) True. Mark, what live TV show would you force your way onto to plead for them to come back in your life? I mean, if it was Claire, it would 100% be The Bachelor. Yeah. I would but- pretend to be straight, <laughs> get cast as The Bachelor, you and then... tested on The Bachelorette. <laughs> nope, it needs to be more intense. And then in the final episode, when I'm giving the final rose, I'll turn to the camera, hold out the rose directly to the lens, and say, Claire, this rose is for you. Dun, dun, dun. See, mine is kind of similar because I was thinking I would go on Survivor and talk extensively to all the people about this person that I really love and that I care for and how much I miss them. And then, because I'm going to do really well, I make it to the episode where your loved one comes to visit and they would be like, Will, why hasn't that person that you care about so much come to see you? And I would just go straight at the camera and go, I don't know where they are. I lost them many years ago. Please, I need you. Oh, this is so emotional. Yeah. Do family members come to visit on Survivor? Yeah. It's like the opposite of the hometown visits in The Bachelor. The Bachelor, his his idea is a lot more chill than your idea, Will. (laughs) My idea is elaborate and excellent. Mark's involves pretending to be straight and conning two dozen women. Guys, if there's anything I could do, it's pretend to be straight for a whole season of The Bachelor. Mark has some practice pretending to be straight. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know how well it went. Unfortunately. What would you do? What show would you go on to get your message across? I was hoping you would forget to ask me. You're sitting across from me. Mark stole my answer. (laughs) Uh, Well, who am I I separated from? Someone that you care about. I guess I could go on Jeopardy. It has to be live TV, right? I said that, but neither of us picked TV. a live show. Okay, that's true. Um, I don't have a good answer to this question. I don't know what... I don't have a good answer. Then you'll never be reunited. Uh, okay, let me think. What are? What about, like... Name some live TV shows. The like, Neelam Show. The ne- No, this is... <laughs> This is a reference to the movie that none of the listeners get because we haven't gotten there. I wasn't even going to bring it up because it was so tangential to the plot. I disagree. Uh, It's key to one of the many points of confusion raised by the decision to have two characters have the same name. I would say I would go on Jeopardy, but as everyone knows, my entire trivia strategy is sitting at the trivia table while you two answer questions and then saving the free beer coupons and using them on dates to seem cool. So I don't know how I would actually do a live televised trivia. You don't have to do well just during the part of the show that everyone hates when Alex Trebek asks you about your personal life. You can turn to the camera and talk about this person who is missing. Okay, that's my new plan. You could also spend years developing your talents as a sketch comedian, get cast on SNL, and then during the part where everyone hugs at the end, you just hold up a sign that says, insert name here, I miss you. I like this plan much better because I get to go on SNL. Yeah. (laughs) Slash am an SNL cast member in this version of of events. Or just get famous enough that you get asked to host SNL. Or like be a musical guest. Did you guys see that... Uh, that video of John Legend trying to hug people and no one would hug him. It was so sad. (laughs) It was so sad. And then Chrissy Teigen like tweeted about it and he was roasted by his wife in addition to no one wanting to hug him. Imagine being married to someone who is partially famous for just roasting people on Twitter and becoming the target of that. I recently, I just said it wrong, but I recently learned that it's Teigen. That sounds illegal. I I think that's how she says it. Yeah, it's so weird. Everyone I know says Chrissy Teigen, but apparently it is Teigen. Should we talk about the movie? We should just have Congress <laughs> change that for us. Oh, yeah. At least if they're doing that, they can't be doing any of the stupid shit they have currently planned. Yeah, everyone wins. Yeah. Chrissy Teigen, or I guess Teigen. No, now it's Teigen. Congress took action. <laughs> it Congre- just passed oh. H.R. 431, the Teigen Act. We have to come up with a very long acronym to fit that. I bet she would take one for the team. We'd be like, can you please just distract Congress? They can just regulate you as opposed to trying to regulate women's bodies everywhere and then not do 
dumb shit. In case you're wondering, in the most recent Congress, H.R. 431 is the Nuclear Energy Innovation Capabilities Act of 2017. The Tegan Act is transforming every instance of... They always have that, like, a weird lowercase one there. Transforming every instance of gross accented names. Act. Tegan is spelled E-N. Don't! (laughs) (laughs) He worked so hard on that and you shot him down, just like Chrissy Tegan shot down John Legend on Twitter after no one would hug him. This law also changes the spelling of her name. (laughs) Anyway... Welcome to We Love the Love, a Hollywood romance podcast. I'm Mark, and I'm gay. And I'm Will, and I'm a ginger. This, of course, is an investigative podcast where we delve deep, deep. Maybe we'll have to read a letter so we can go deep into the past to find the answer to the most unanswered question of our day. Does Hollywood romance actually make any sense? Or in some cases, Bollywood romance. Ooh. This week, we're also asking, are these people actually dateable? Or even likable. It doesn't matter if the romance is a main plot, or a one-scene flirtation, or a years-long weird saga. We will dig in, and we will see what's there. I'm very excited. I hope this will help us to find an answer. But at the very least, I think we're going to have a good time. I think after this week, we can firmly establish love only happens when your eight-year-old daughter gets involved. At the very least, love is friendship. This week. (laughs) To discuss love as being friendship. Speaking of friendship. We're bringing back our third roommate, Claire. I was waiting to be introduced to say how much I disliked how many times you said deep and the emphasis with which you said it. Deep. (laughs) Yes, I'm back. I'm here. I'm a guest on another Bollywood uh, version of the show and I'm very excited. So we last had you to do this about a year ago for Kalhona Ho. Yes. And so this year we've brought you back for the first movie from the writer of Kalhonaho, also directed by him, by Karen Johar. This time it is the 1998 hit musical, Kooch Kooch Hotahai. Hooray! Kooch Kooch Hotahai! And this was a huge hit. At the time that it came out in 1998, it was the biggest movie of the year in the Indian box office. It was the third biggest of all time. And it was also the highest grossing Indian film overseas at that time as well, until Karan Johar's next movie. Yeah. He's a big deal. Yeah, it was a big hit. Starring, of course, Shah Rukh Khan. And Kajal. And Kajal. Yes. And actually, I just looked it up, and this was their fourth movie together, but it was their second movie after their smash hit that I can never pronounce, DDLJ. So, Karan Johar actually acted in DDLJ, and it was while he was on that, he was like, maybe I should be a director. And he had help from his father, who was a wealthy producer, Yash Johar, and... The two of them together were able to get Shahrukh Khan and Kajal to be in this movie. It seems that there are maybe only 10 families involved in Indian cinema. Everyone is part of some family that has their own Wikipedia page because they've been involved in making movies since the 20s. It's a fairly small industry really until the 21st century. The story of the film industry in Asia is... The story of relatively small, usually government-subsidized companies. And then in the 21st century, as technology diffuses much more rapidly, you see an explosion of movie theaters, and you see then many more production companies get founded. It's the same thing we see happening in China in the 2010s. It starts a little bit earlier in India. Yeah, China has a different thing because of the censorship, so it's harder there through that regard. But there's even a point where, like, for example, the Indian government gives out film awards. And Kooch Kooch Hotahai won them, the National Film Award for Best Popular Film Providing Wholesome Entertainment. <laughs> he says the word shit like four times. He does. I don't know how wholesome this movie yeah. is. He's kind of edgy. I don't know. There's also an enormous amount of both Indian pride and religious references in this movie. Yes. Like, religion plays a pivotal role in this film. Shah Rukh Khan's character, Rahul, his dark secret is that he is religious. Yeah, that, that's pretty wholesome in, a, in, a, in, a, in and of itself. But there's at least two religions that are featured. Yes. Like, Hinduism and Islam is featured. And then there's references to other religions as well. Like there's a little Sikh boy who doesn't talk, for example. Yes. It really is like incorporating all of the religions they could because I'm pretty sure that Shah Rukh Khan's character, Rahul Khanna, is Hindu and is probably raising 
his daughter Hindu, but the way that it's implied that Anjali's wedding will be postponed is because his daughter Anjali prays to Allah with, uh, what's her name? Uh, Rifat? Rifat B. Rifat B, who is a Muslim and is praying on her prayer rug, and then Anjali, like, puts her shawl over her head in a hijab style, and then and is, then like, praying. And then you hear the Muslim call to prayer, like, the, the sound effects in this movie are another amazing force of nature, like, thunderclaps. I like the fact that there is no such thing as a gradual buildup of rain in this movie. No. It is either sunny or immediately a torrential downpour. And I probably mentioned this, I don't know if there's a rain song in Kalhonaho, but it's kind of a, a Bollywood trope to have songs in the rain, because there's no kissing, and there's a lot less nudity and bodies than in American Hollywood I cinema. noticed there was no kissing. Yeah, there's no kissing, so they're always, like, fondling each other's faces or, like, nuzzling the necks to, like, represent kissing. And then a lot of the romantic scenes happen in the rain because people can't be naked, so they get them wet so you can see as much of their body. This is a real thing that people do. Like, really? It's, it's a known trope in Bollywood cinema. Actually, uh, the three of us saw Three Idiots together. Yeah. And there's a song in Three Idiots that parodies kinds of, of Bollywood songs, and in that parody... There's a rain song to make fun of the fact that it's like a trope in Bollywood to have like love scenes in the rain. That's fascinating. So this movie is incorporating a lot of Bollywood tropes, but is also bringing in a lot of American ones as well. Yeah. So Karan Johar was also the costume designer on the show. And he was inspired, especially another cool thing that I saw in the Wikipedia page. I bet you were going to bring this up. But essentially he was writing two scripts. And then he just decided to combine the two, which is why the flashback and the rest of the movie feel so disjointed. It feels like two movies. I would argue the flashback one is better. I was going to say, the flashback one could be a great movie on its own. But the entire flashback was heavily inspired by both 90210 and And Archie Comics. Archie Comics. (laughs) The whole time I was watching, I was just like, is this 1967 or 1997? Because it could be both, and it is. They were in, like... A lot of those looks are coming back right now, which is terrifying. Well, it's because of Archie. Archie is back. That's true. Archie is back. But like, yeah, but now he b- <laughs> Okay. Was that necessary? <laughs> <laughs> that is the running joke about Riverdale. I was... The summary of Riverdale. <laughs> yeah, Archie is back. Is back and and he b- <laughs> That's literally the summary of Riverdale. I listened to an interview with Chip Zdarsky, the comic book writer and artist who wrote the Jughead miniseries, where Jughead came out as asexual and he wrote that shortly before Riverdale premiered and in the interview he was talking about how he really appreciated that people found the story that he wrote resonated with them but he didn't feel like disrespected by the tv writers who were working on the show when he was working on the comic not knowing what he was doing and going in another direction but I always remember the way he put it which is yeah I wonder if they'll use my stuff in the show and then I heard it was on the CW and I was like oh no those kids are banging (laughs) love Riverdale. I'm kind of afraid to try it because everything I've heard about Riverdale is why I love this kind of Bollywood movie that's just like, this kind of like Bollywood romance movie that's like over dramatic. Like, there's a lot of emotions. Like, there's a lot of love triangles. Thankfully, this doesn't have any murder and there's a lot more music than in Riverdale, which are both things that I enjoy. What's funny is that a lot of my students are really into Riverdale. And a lot of them also don't know about Archie Comics. And so there's this weird thing where I am kind of conversant in what they're talking about, but don't know any of the plot details, and they are very confused about why. I watched all of Riverdale season one in one day when I had really bad food poisoning. Holy cow. Because... It's a show where you can leave to throw up for an hour and come back and still understand exactly what's happening. Because they're going to tell you. Yes. I just like had it running on Netflix for the full day as I was coming in and out of sleep and going to the bathroom to throw up. I was also home alone at the time not a in good a city where I didn't know anyone, so it was not a great day. Not a good endorsement of Riverdale, I will say. <laughs> <laughs> I barfed. <laughs> and then I tried watching season two and it just got a lot weirder. I'm imagining the promotional poster, like, Riverdale, I barfed, exclamation point, we love the love. (laughs) Riverdale, I barfed, these kids are banging. (laughs) 
Should we talk about the movie? Yeah, let's do it. So again, this is Cooch Cooch Hotahai, the best-selling Indian film of 1998, and... It is a three-hour musical. And, by the way, for everyone wondering, Cooch Cooch Hotahe means... Something, something happens. Something happens. Worth noting, the first guy they tried to hire to compose the songs for the movie refused to do it because he thought the title was too suggestive. You know, anything could happen. I think we know what These something is. These kids are banging. These kids are banging. <laughs> These kids are the opposite of banging in These, this movie. These kids are nuzzling each other's necks suggestively, occasionally in the rain. They do have a running imaginary dance sequence in Scotland. Oh, yeah. yeah. Let's just go for it. Let's talk about that scene. What is happening there? Why are they in Scotland? Why is Anjali then back in Scotland while she's crying? I had so many thoughts about this song. Is this after they see the shooting star? No. I mean, I don't think so. Is it? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So they see the shooting star. They all make a wish. Cut to... It's Right, it's a wish land. Yeah. They're all... Scotland isn't real. (laughs) Scotland. It's just make-believe. Scotland is fake. Has anyone ever been to Scotland? I think not. None of us have, which means it must not be there. If it were real, we would have been there. I have been to Scotland. No, you haven't, Mark. (laughs) Dreams don't count. I've seen that castle. Dreams do not count. That was the same castle as Maid of Honor, which is also fake. Columbus School of Geography, which means that if you personally haven't been there, no one has been there and it doesn't exist. Accurate. Until you first go and discover it. The first person, no matter how many people live there. But only in a dream sequence because it isn't real. Yeah, we all know Scotland is a fairy tale land. It is. I think we're confusing people. We're talking about how Scotland is fake. No one even knows who these characters are. It's an Indian movie. That's the one thing they know. But we're committed to Scotland. Let's walk it back a little bit here. (laughs) Sorry, I just have so many thoughts about that scene. Okay, so, Claire. Yes. This is We Love the Love. Yes. What we try to do is take the romance of a movie and make sense of it. Wow. So we always break down the romantic plotline into five points that summarize it. This was probably difficult because there are two timelines. That is true. And it's three hours. But I trust you to guide us through it. Well, I hope you enjoy my chronological approach that I took with the timeline as opposed to ordering it in the order of the movie. So that is the choice that I made. I will say that I think that the plot of this movie is actually not that confusing. Like, it's a movie that... I think Hollywood could make in like an hour and a half. I think it's weirdly rushed at the end. It is weirdly rushed at the end. But also very slow. Right. That's what I don't understand. And this is part of why I like the flashback stuff. I think the stakes are very clear. The characters are fun. Whereas, especially when we come out of the flashback, things move very slowly until the last 15 minutes when everything happens. So here's the thing that bothers me is that all of the tension is taken out of the movie because the flashback is about a love triangle that I'm about to talk about, but we already know the result of the love triangle because it's a flashback, and we know that one of the members of the triangle is dead. I'm fine with that because for that, then, the fun is in seeing how the different dynamics play out. We know what happens. The question is, how does it happen? And that's interesting to me. It's interesting, but why did it have to start in the future, go to the past, and return to the future? It could have just gone from the past to the present. And saved us a whole lot of time. (laughs) But let's start in the past. So let me introduce our characters. Our characters are Anjali, Rahul, and Tina. So Anjali, yes. Don't forget the most important character. Miss Briganza. Briganza. Uh-huh. <laughs> Not as compelling as Contaben for a character who is always welcomed with music. With her own theme song. So Anjali, played by Kajal, Rahul, played by Shahrukh Khan, are best friends at college. And we know this because Anjali says it like 25 times. This college looks a lot like an American high school. The college is so weird. It's like a Jesuit college with only like... A hundred people who go there. So the Jesuit part makes sense in India. Yeah, it was founded by German Jesuits in the 1800s. There's currently about 2,000 undergrad, about 100 postgraduate students. This is a real college that Mark looked up. I read the Wikipedia page. I did not realize that. Yeah, and so it is named after... St. Francis Xavier. St. Francis Xavier, who actually went to India as a preacher. It's just interesting that 
religion is ever present in its many forms. Everywhere you go. Yeah, because none of the characters seem to be Catholic, but they are all at a Catholic school. Um, And the school is small enough that everyone knows each other. Everyone knows each other. Everybody is wearing, like, neon sportswear and headbands and, like, logo tees. Including American logo tees. Rahul is wearing a polo shirt with an American flag on it at one point. Well, we know that it was inspired by 90210. Sure. So one day, a hot girl, the daughter of the principal, Tina, arrives. And essentially, Rahul is instantly taken with her. Before that, Rahul and Anjali sing a song about being best friends. Yes. The title of the song is This Guy is Crazy. And it's about how both of them are crazy and annoying, but they love each other as friends. That song is representative of a lot of the songs in this movie for me, in that it's like pretty fun and then overstays its welcome by at least one verse. I tend to agree with that. There are a few gems in the movie, but not all of the songs are as memorable. I will say that the title song and Koi Milgaya are like huge hits that people still listen to and play. So those ones I generally like. Yeah. I like most of the songs. I think they're too long. Like, for example, this song doesn't have enough ideas to justify its runtime. There's a reason most Broadway musical songs are shorter than a song you hear on the radio. In the context of a grand story, you lose interest in specific songs more quickly than if you're just hearing a song on the radio. I think it's more of a cultural difference because That's possible. Like, the songs double as dance breaks. A common complaint about Bollywood cinema is like, why are people always breaking into song and dance and taking away from the plot? Which is also not true of all Bollywood movies, just some of them. But I feel like you're allowed to get lost in the song. The song is like an experience in itself, which explains why the title song was shot like completely randomly in Scotland. And I think in a couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about West Side Story And the way that that musical solves this issue is by having Broadway-style songs that are all pretty short, and then by having separate dance numbers that are doing a different thing. Well, in this case, those two things are just combined. Anyway, so Tina has arrived. Rahul falls in love with her on Friendship Day. Tina is the daughter of the principal. Yes. Another sign that this is a high school. Yeah. Tina transferred from Oxford College to this small college in... Mumbai, because as her father says, they're the same. Yeah. Also, everyone keeps asking her about Oxford in London, which is a little confusing because Oxford is in Oxford, which Mark (laughs) pointed out. I find it very plausible that most people don't know that. It's possible that London and England are used interchangeably in some situations, but that is the only explanation. See, the thing is, Tina says that a lot too, and she went there, so she would know that, even if the other characters don't. We should also mention that even before Tina shows up, everyone is always harassing Anjali for not being feminine enough. Yeah, Anjali is a tomboy, and her and Rahul play basketball every day. And Girls Rahul- can't play basketball, Claire. This is like a major plot point. There's no crying in basketball. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but so Anjali is like a major tomboy. She's great at basketball. She doesn't wear a lot of makeup. She like wears baseball hats. So she and Rahul are best friends, and then Tina is like the typical feminine hot girl, and Rahul is taken with her. Yeah, Rahul is explaining what a perfect romantic meeting would look like, and then literally walks straight into Tina. Yes, and all this happens on Friendship Day, and they're studying Romeo and Juliet. Because again, high school. Because Well, yes, and the t- Miss, uh, Mrs. Uh, Braganza. Miss Braganza, uh-huh. Miss Braganza, very important. Miss who is the hot teacher, is holding holding up a copy of Romeo and Juliet that is like a coffee table book with Baz Luhrmann's like <laughs> yep. film stills on the front. <laughs> so then Rahul is asked to define love and he defines it as friendship and Anjali feels a flutter in her heart. Maybe she loves her friend, but no, he's just saying that because he's trying to get in Tina's pants. Meanwhile, like after class, he rides up to her on a skateboard. He tries to give Tina a friendship bracelet, but I want to note. So this movie posits over and over again that love is friendship. And if you remember, in Kalhona Ho, we're told that the first step of love is friendship, and the third one is two. And all that's left is the middle. Wow, I'm I'm amazed that you remember that. Well, I've been trying to live my life by that principle ever since. Um, Kalhona Ho really changed my life. Every moment is the time to disco. Well, (laughs) because, Will... Tomorrow may never come. Tomorrow may never come. Oh, no. 
I've also started dressing in white and riding boats to places. That's great. Like on the, the Staten Island Ferry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's such a good movie, guys. I had seen Kahlanaho and loved it when I recommended that we watch it for the podcast. I had never seen this one, so I'm experiencing it for the first time with the two of you. I think it was fun to watch this with Claire because she was watching it for the first time. Mm-hmm. But it was also interesting because she still knew a lot of the songs. Yeah, because I listened to like Bollywood radio and these, like I said, these songs are very popular. I watched this on the bus and at the library. Amazing. The perfect places to watch this very dramatic movie. It was an interesting experience. So, anyway, a lot happens. Many musical numbers happen while they're in this flashback. There's a pep rally with a song. There's a pep- because, again, high school. There's a pep rally where they sing the song, uh, Koi Mil Gaya, I Found Someone. And this is when Tina and Rahul are starting to have feelings for each other. But also, Anjali has found someone, but sadly, he has found someone else. This is around when Tina goes to Anjali and specifically asks if Anjali is in love with Rahul, right? Mm-hmm. The- I can't decide if that's a good move or not. Well, as I was watching it, I think I was, it might have been over your shoulder, Will, but like, if you intend to date someone, you should not ask the person that you suspect is in love with them if they're in love with them. Like, the best thing you can possibly do is not ask and then feign ignorance later on. On the other hand, it is very high school. You're just trying to prove your point that this is a high school. I don't need to prove anything. It's reality. I think one of my favorite moments is at the pep rally when Tina just walks on stage with a guitar that is somehow magically hooked up to the speaker system. In a sequin mini dress. Yeah, there's a costume change. There are a lot of inexplicable costume changes in this movie. Not even during, like, the dance numbers. There are also some that just happen in day-to-day life. This is one of those songs about traditional values, right? I mean, all of the songs are incredibly PG and about love. Except for the ones that are a lot about God. Actually, yeah, there are some God songs, too. Well, speaking of this, after the pep rally, Rahul is like, I gotta go visit my family. And Anjali's like, oh yes, you visit your family every Tuesday. But then it turns out, <gasps> he's actually going to pray. And Tina finds him at the temple and she's like, oh. Praying is something only women do, apparently. He's praying for help on chemistry tests. He was heavily implied that it was, it's effeminate to pray, which is interesting. He specifically says, guys don't pray. Yeah, but this is part of their budding romance. And Tina is falling more and more in love with Rahul and Rahul is in love with her. And Anjali is also falling more in love with Rahul and trying to get him to see her in the way that he sees Tina, including dressing up in a feminine way. And everybody laughs at her because she puts on just like a bunch of mismatched colors. Around here, speaking of Romeo and Juliet, we have a balcony scene, kind of. Do we have a balcony scene? The latter scene. Oh, I forgot that Shah Rukh Khan climbs up into Tina's bedroom. He puts a ladder against the side of the house. I don't know where he gets this ladder at his college class. He, he doesn't take it. He doesn't take it with him. Yeah. I mean, I assume he stole it from a maintenance shed on campus or yes. something. So he climbs up into her room in the principal's house and he like gives her a flower, goes inside. And then, but then he runs into Anjali on his way out and they wish on a shooting star and then we have the title song which is suddenly we're in Scotland. After they wish on the shooting star, we're transported into the magical dream imaginary land of Scotland. And there's a million costume changes. They're like modeling next to castles and they're singing, something happens, something happens. Because at the beginning of the movie, Rahul tells Anjali that when you fall in love, something happens in your heart. And then he immediately bumps into Tina. Even here though, Rahul is mostly dancing with Tina and Anjali is mostly alone. She's dancing with Rahul sometimes, but not most of the time. And I think that stands out. My favorite line from the song is when Anjali sings, you don't know how many dreams you have inspired in me. Oh, that's very dramatic. Dramatic, also possibly uncomfortable to say to someone. There's also a shot where Shah Rukh Khan, Rahul, and Tina are like in a field with flowers, and Anjali's just outside on the grass, not in the flowers. And I felt that that was very you know, symbolic that Anjali is on the outside. We can talk about this later, but I mean, it definitely rubbed me the wrong way that we are rooting for Rahul and Tina here. You know, Tina is like the it girl. Are we? 
I don't know. It's definitely portrayed as like the main romance in the movie. I actually thought that Kajal was playing a supporting role as opposed to the lead role when I was watching this first half of the movie. But don't worry, there's two full hours after the flashback in which she can shine. That is true. So I think that this is a case where the movie is using the fact that it starts in the future as useful information. Because we know what happens with Rahul and Tina, and we know that their kid is named Anjali. And we know that Tina asked him to name their daughter Anjali. That's weird on Tina's part. It is. But what that means is that as we're watching this love triangle, to an extent we have equal stakes in both of the female characters. Because we know what happens to Tina, so we're interested in seeing what that happens. But we know there's something weird with Anjali, and this is a long movie. That's true. I just, I don't know. I mean, I don't think that divorce is really a theme in Bollywood cinema, or at least in any movies that I've seen. But, like, the movie conveniently removes any conflict between the three characters by killing off Tino. That's actually my second point, because all of this has been point one. Flashback is point one. Before we leave the flashback, can we talk about the part where... Anjali is going to tell Rahul that she loves him and they run into each other and Rahul starts doing a confession of love. Yes, I was just about to talk about this perfectly campy moment because he tells her I love her and then says, oh. It's an extended I love you. He was like, I love you so much. I just want to be with you. I think about you all the time. Oh, I'm just practicing for Tina. It's just very bizarre. Yeah. I mean, it's just like a, a trope. But I love what happens... Also, it immediately starts raining. I love what happens next, which is a song titled You Didn't Even Think of Me, in which Anjali is wearing a bulky green, very 90s sweater and then crying in various locations, including Scotland. Yeah, because her first love is incomplete. Yeah. And you only ever get one love. That's such a weird thing that this movie keeps saying over and over. You live once. doesn't believe it. You live once, you die once, you love once. Yes, Shah Rukh Khan says that two times, even though he eventually loves two times in this movie. And they even say you only marry once, too, even though that is, again, not true by the end of this movie. So, okay, Anjali's heart is broken. She actually drops out of school for a combination reasons of, like, having a broken heart, and she makes up an excuse, or perhaps it's true that her dad is sick. By now, Rahul has confessed his love to Tina. Rahul has confessed his love to Tina, And Anjali is leaving. She's dressed completely in white with a red shawl. And then in a weird moment, she like hands her red shawl to Tina. The red is the fire of love. So Tina is now holding Anjali's shawl. And then point two. I am your father and Anjali. Anjali? Point two occurs at the beginning of the movie. Tina has given birth to Rahul's child. First shot of the movie is Rahul at a funeral pyre. Yes, the first shot of the movie is Tina is dead. And something that Mark and I notice is that the doctor basically tells Rahul that he is responsible for Tina's death because Tina knew how much he wanted a baby. Even yeah. Then, and she knew that childbirth would kill her, but she did it anyway. This movie is messed up. The doctor basically is saying, we could have saved your wife. You would have lost the baby. You could have had another baby. But she wanted you to have this one more than she liked her life. Yeah, she was like, she cared more about this child than being alive. That said, she looked pretty good for a lady who had just given birth and was about to die. (laughs) We also mentioned this. Right after she gives birth, they misted her lightly and her hair's kind of messy. But then they cut to her again as she's actually dying. They've wiped away the sweat. They've put her hair back. She just has a couple dark circles under her eyes. She looks like a supermodel dying. And as she's dying. Bled out. And as she's dying... She asks if he wants to be friends and makes him promise to never cry. Yes. The asking if he wants to be friends is a callback to their first meeting on Friendship Day. Right, the friendship bracelet. And when he said that love is friendship. But then she asks him to never cry and to name their child Anjali. Yeah. This is a, a series of weird moves by Tina. First of all, chooses to die in childbirth. Interesting choice. Second of all, insists that her husband name her daughter after... Uh, Effectively her romantic rival. Yes, his not really ex-girlfriend, but a girl that used to like him, basically. Please, as the principal said, 
everyone knows Rahul and Anjali are best friends. Yeah, Nothing I'm more. Sorry, sorry, I forgot that they were best friends. Everyone knows best friends. On friendship day. But guys, they're best friends, but love is friendship. Mm. Mm, deep. Anyway, another weird thing that she does is leave her daughter a series of letters and the That's kind of cute. The last letter, until the end. Until the last letter tells her daughter Anjali, little Anjali. I in my notes referred to old Julie and young Julie, and this might be helpful for us. That was a much better uh, approach than me. I was gonna do little Anjali and big Anjali, but I like old Julie and young Julie. <laughs> yeah. So young Julie receives a letter from her mother Tina, telling her all about her dad's ex-girlfriend. By the way, at the beginning when she's reading the letters, she's reading it like a kid on a Disney Channel show, where we're hearing voiceover from Tina, and she's like cocking her head in response to something or like gasping in response to something in the voiceover i thought the letters would start when she would be able to comprehend them nope but she wrote eight letters each to be read on her birthday which means the first maybe i'd say four probably went completely ununderstood and are forgotten i mean if they're as long as this one probably more of them because this one is an hour and a half it's a very long letter (laughs) Also, it does include scenes that Tina was not there for. So is that just based on what Rahul told her? No, it's based on the fact that this is two movie scripts jammed into one. So that is my point number two. So point, so point number two is little Anjali, young Julie, getting the letter, which tells her that what her mom wants her to do is to find old Anjali and get her together with Rahul. Exactly. A weird move. A very weird move. But that's something that rubbed me the wrong way. Again, there's no tension between these women. They're just, like, so honored to be in love with the same man that they're going to, like, go out of their way for each other to make each other happy. I mean, it's Shahrukh Khan, Claire. I mean, it is Shahrukh Khan. Mark and I were talking about how, why hasn't he tried to make it in Hollywood? And I think it's because he needs to be Shahrukh Khan. He can't go anywhere where that doesn't mean anything. He's a 35-year-old high school student in this movie. Isn't he, like, he's, like, the third richest man He's up there. He's, like, very rich. Richest, like, movie star. So, let's just talk about this plan by dying Tina. Okay. Her plan is to leave a letter so that eight years later, her daughter will get Tina's husband together with his college best friend. Tina does not know at the time she writes the letter, and certainly does not know eight years later, what if Anjali has moved on? What if she is married? What if she just doesn't care about Rahul? This is an enormous assumption to then place on a child too young to really get that she should maybe not do this. Not to mention that she named her daughter after this person that, like, didn't really like her that much because they were romantic rivals. It's very strange. I think, honestly, the strangest part is that Tina is just like, Anjali's not going to find love again. She's not going to be married in eight years. Screw that You only love once. And this brings us to point number three. Because little Anjali, young Jolie, enlists the help of her grandmother to help her find old Jolie. And they track down old Jolie and they discover... Old Jolie is engaged to, to be married. Dun, dun, dun. But all the dramatic tension is quickly sucked out of that as well. Her engagement song is good. Her engagement song is very good. It is the translation of the title is Your Beloved Has Come to Your House. And it features a very cool uh, engagement dance number. Yeah. Aman is wearing a suit through this whole movie. Even when everyone else around him is wearing, like, traditional wedding clothes. That's why you can't trust him. And I was just like, oh, this man is clearly bad. He was very attractive, though. As young Jolie, when she eventually meets him, points out, he is very handsome. He can have any woman he wants. He can have any woman he wants. And he's in love with Anjali, but... He's in love with Anjali, but immediately we find out that Anjali is just kind of settling for Aman because she has only loved once. She loves Rahul. And she's willing to compromise. And her mom is like, that will never be a home. It will just be a house. This is after young Jalee has prayed to the Muslim god to delay old Jalee's wedding. So old Jalee's wedding is delayed because of young Jalee's prayers. 
but then... it's actually because a guru tells Oldjali's mother that the next auspicious time for them to get married is in December. So two different religions like are months later. In this. So now we enter into, it's kind of still the second movie of the two scripts, but it's kind of like a third script because it's like a weird the summer, summer camp, camp movie. movie. <laughs> they like go full parent trap where a significant part of this movie is now set at a very strange summer camp. So old Julie has been working at this summer camp for years and years and years for a month over the summer. And Aman, her fiance, is like, I don't want you going away for the summer. And... She's like, you're about to go on a trip. He's like, yeah, I'm going for a day. You're going to be gone for a month. And it's a little bit unfortunate because the way he's framing it is just like, I don't think she's really in love with me, so I don't trust her to not be near me because then she might just decide to like another dude, which, to be fair, is exactly what happens. He's not, but, very, he's not very secure in the relationship, but he shouldn't be because she doesn't love him. And told him that she doesn't love him. Openly. In a weirdly flirty manner. Yeah, they, like, flirt about how he's going to drag her to the altar, which, like, if they weren't smiling, would have been a very threatening conversation. Yeah, so she's going off to work at her camp, and young Julie finds out about this, and without telling Rahul why, is like, let me go to this camp, and Rahul's like, no. So she just gets her grandma to drive her out there and enroll. Yeah, so, like, now the grandma is the only grandma at camp. She is the Chessie of this parent trap situation. It is so weird because so we go to this camp and this camp is like a carnival it's in yep. northern india it's like a carnival there's balloons they there's, live in circus tents there's a there's horses but yeah everybody lives in a, in their own personal circus tent my favorite plot line in this movie is post-colonialist dadi the grandmother who is spending her whole time at this camp convincing the camp counselor who is an anglophile that like needs- wearing a union jack shirt right and praying to a portrait of Queen Elizabeth I that he needs to teach these children Indian pride. This also echoes back to a moment in the flashback where Rahul forces Tina to sing a Hindu song, and she sings like a very patriotic Hindu song. So in addition to many religious themes, we also have like Indian pride themes. So around this window, Rahul is trying to get in touch with young Julie, Aman, and old Julie are separated Rahul and Aman are at, like, the same hotel, and they both get calls from their Anjali's, and the receptionist accidentally directs them to the wrong phones, because there's two Anjali's. Yeah, but there's no actual fallout from this moment. No, it never matters. It's just them having weird conversations and then realizing it's the wrong people. So, after Rahul goes on television and begs his child to come home on live television... On the Neelam show, which is like an MTV VJ show. That has a lot of weird dating advice. Like a free association. Yep. Just say a word, see what the other person says, and that'll tell you the truth. Mark, Dolphin. I really don't want to play this game. Claire, Muskrat. I've already denied you, William. I've rejected you. It's not going to happen. We're not going to be together. I'm sorry to do this in a public forum, but it just must be said on record. Claire, are we friends? (laughs) I'm afraid to... I would say no. I'm going to go with no to that. Mark, are (laughs) we friends? We're begrudging roommates. (laughs) Mm, Not really. really. I only hang out with you to do the podcast. Are you two friends? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You know what love is? We already know that I'm gonna like I'm gonna get married to Mark after Nick dies and then writes a letter to Mark's child and then Who's named Claire? And then Mark's, <laughs> Mark's child Claire comes and finds me eight years later and then Mark and I get married and he has to pretend to be straight for the rest of his life. The problem and not is just on the Bachelorette. By this point, Mark is semi illiterate because he's just fallen apart. And so his daughter <laughs> is named Claire with a K. <laughs> Maybe his daughter is named Kulia, which is my Japanese name. <laughs> Claire's going to Japan. She won't be on the show for a while. Yeah, well, I've been on hiatus for the show for as long as I'm going to Japan before. That's true. That's because you refused to do Madagascar. I'm very busy. <laughs> and also, I was deeply affected by how bad Madagascar <laughs> was. I think it really would have broken her to be on that episode. Not gonna lie. That episode was also well, barely about Madagascar. Well, I did How to Train Your Dragon, which was about me because I am Hiccup. So I really made up for it. You know where Hiccup is from? Uh, Burke. Burke. Is he from uh, Camp Sunshine, which is the camp that they're at? So- Do y'all notice that when 
Oh, this is kind of jumping ahead. When Rahul and Anjali have their basketball game, the kids have made banners for their respective sides. That's some quick banner making. But actually, that brings me to the next point. I think we have to make clear that while Rahul is giving this, like, I love you, Anjali, come home, Anjali... Old Julie is watching and thinks he's talking about her. She's like, oh my god, it's Rahul. I haven't seen him in years. And then Neelam, the host of the show, is like, who's Anjali? He's like, it's my eight-year-old daughter. And Old Julie at first is disappointed, but then she's like, oh my god. Young Julie, this little Anjali girl in my camp, made a passing joke about like, maybe my parents named me for you. And she knows that Young Julie's mother is dead. So she's like, oh my gosh. And she runs to Young Julie's circus tent and she pulls up the framed picture that she is sleeping with and sees Tina. Tina. See, in that moment, I would be like, why the f*** did that man name his daughter after me after he broke my heart? I mean, it's pretty obvious. Your dying wife makes you do it. between Anjali and Tina is so weird. Like, they're just, like, weird friends. Maybe it's, like, a competitive thing. Like, Tina is, like, owning Anjali, except that she wrote this letter. Well, the principal told Anjali to be friends with Tina because he was like, oh, you know people, you'll help her fit in. So they start out as friends, but then it just gets real weird. But, like, her heart is so broken. I, I have trouble believing that she has no ill will. And actually, this comes back at the end of the movie because we are now in a second love triangle, which I'm going to talk about now. This is essentially point four. We're up at Camp Sunshine, circus camp, where the grandmother is making everybody pray and sing uh, Indian songs. So... We're in this montage where the grandma is making everybody sing a song about Rama. And then this is also the montage of Shah Rukh Khan, Rahul, coming up to the camp because young Jali has pretended to have a cold. He like hitches a ride on the back of a truck. And everybody's singing this song. And she's doing, sorry, young Jali is doing all of this to get Rahul and old Jali together. Right. So Rahul arrives at the camp. Young Julie's entire family is now living with her at summer camp. No one else's family is there. No one else's family is there. Family is not allowed there. And then old Julie and Rahul have a reunion. And an important fact to note about old Julie is whereas before she was a basketball playing tomboy, now she's a woman. She's feminine. She wears saris. She's beautiful. She wears makeup. And they have this reunion, but things are kind of awkward between them. So young Julie and the grandma plot to have them play basketball against each other to bring them close together. Before that, one night, they see shooting stars. Yeah, the shooting stars also come back. And I forget who it is. One of them asks, like, oh, you don't still believe in that, do you? And they're like, no. And then immediately both turn away and start furtively praying. So they have this basketball game, which Will was referring to earlier, and... Anjali plays in her sari, and essentially the moral of the basketball game is, like, old Julie cannot play basketball for shit now, so she's no longer a tomboy, so now she's dateable. And she was awesome as a tomboy. She was so good in the flashback. That performance was terrific. I mean, Kajul is great throughout it. I think she's the standout for me. That's what I was reading a lot of the critics said, too, is that Kajul was the bright spot of this movie. But especially in the flashbacks, she's fun. Yeah, she's a great character. So then they're taking camp photos. And this is where, once again, it is grossly inappropriate. Yeah, so they're taking camp photos. The grandma's demanding to be in it. And then somehow it whittles down to just being Anjali and Anjali. Also, like- well, first it's Anjali and Anjali. And the photographer is like, this is wrong. This is wrong. Here, you get in here. And so then it's like a family photo. It's Rahul and the two Anjalis. And then he's like, now you, kid, get out of here. This is also around the same time that they have like a reprise of their original friendship song and like a falling in love montage. So they've essentially gotten closer and closer at camp. They're in this family photo. Is this when we have the second instance of rain? I think that's later. I think we play charades first. Oh my God, I forgot about the charades. So they play charades and Anjali gets Rangila and she like does a bit of a dance until someone gets it. And then when she sits back down, Rahul is like, that was sexy. And she does this, like, grimace and says thanks, and it's the best acting in the entire movie. (laughs) Where she's like, okay, friend, that was weird of you to say. That's the reaction when someone says your performance in charades is sexy. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you've never seen me act out teapot. Wow, I 
Cannot wait to never watch that. <laughs> never see that. Never hear you say the word deep or IVs ever again. What about larval sack? What is that? We talked about that last week on our fly episode. No, I do not want to hear the word the larval sack. So they play charades. Essentially, they're at camp and they are falling in love with Rahul just lives here. He lives here now. He's not going to go home. It's apparent his child is no longer sick, but he's there. The grandma is there. It's a whole family excursion to the sunshine camp of circus tents. What is the timeline of this? Who knows? Who can say? So this is when then they do their torrential rain slash gazebo dance and not quite make out. Yeah, there's a definite Sound of Music gazebo vibes. And they're soaking wet. They're in the rain. They're like holding each other, dancing, nuzzling. And they, and they come this close to kissing. And then he sees the ring. He sees her engagement ring. And, and she runs away. She runs away. And then a muscular arm comes out of nowhere and holds her. And in like the forest. And she says, I love you. And she hears, I love you too. And she whips around and it's... Alan, who has come <gasps> to visit her. Ba-ba-bum. Why are these adults going to a summer camp there and staying? There are so many adults at the summer camp. Did you notice after this, when they all reconvene in the barn, that it's raining inside the barn? Yeah, they're trying to plug a leak. All the children yeah. are doing it. It's like child labor. They're trying to repair the barn roof. I mean, this is functionally a circus. Colonel Almeida is quite a character. I don't know. Also, when they played charades, only the adults got to play. Yeah, they were just like, kids, wait your turn. It's grown-up time now. Which is also what happened in the basketball game, where the two grown-ups were playing each other, and the kids had to make signs. (laughs) What's weird is how rigidly this has divided, where, like, all of the boy children have now decided they, like, hate Anjali, and all the girl children are, like, 100% behind her. Because they're fighting over whether girls can play basketball, and spoiler alert, they they cannot. can't, but at least then somebody will want to sleep with you. Yeah. Girls, you can play basketball, or you can be a sex object. You choose. Whichever you prefer. Men, get your head in the game. (laughs) Okay, so this is now point five. Rahul finds out that Anjali, Oljali, is engaged, and he does the adult thing, which is to say, um, I'm happy for you. And then Oljali interprets this to mean that he has no feelings for her. She gets upset because she is in love with him and has been since their college-slash-high school days. Yeah, Rahul gets all the kids to sing a nice song about her engagement. Yes, which is also weird. The it kids is. are just a pawn in their game, in their weird game. <laughs> Everyone is a pawn in the grandma's game to get people to pray more. So then Anjali leaves camp and asks her mother to rush the wedding. And we get some scenes of like very moody crying on both old Jali and Rahul's part. And then Rahul and young Jali and the grandma. They all go to the wedding. They all go to the wedding inexplicably. Including Mr. Malhotra, the principal. Including his, the father of his dead wife, Tina. They all go to this wedding. And then Anjali comes down the stairs. And Still she's, weeping. She's weeping. Like, it's her wedding day. And then Aman is there, the only person in a suit in the entire scene. And he's like, I told you I would drag you to this wedding if I had to. And you're like, oh, this has taken an ugly turn. Yeah, and in a very Tina move, suddenly Aman is like, oh, I can see that you love Rahul in a way that I had always wanted you to love me. Maybe you guys should get married. And they do, just right there with, I guess, all of Amon's family around? Yeah, so then they get married and Amon is just like happily dancing that the love of his life doesn't love him and is now marrying another man before his eyes in front of his entire family. And all of this like point four and five stuff happens in like the last 25 minutes. It's very uncomfortable, but I guess Amon's just like, hey, I'm rich. I can go back to... England and find a girl there. Or I'll marry Milam. He says part of his inspiration is Young Jali telling him, you can have any girl you want. Basically, Young Jali meets him and tries to persuade him to not marry Old Jali so that her dad can get with Old Jali. Yeah, what is this messed up plan like, Tina has? I don't know. Young Jali says things like, Old Jali's ugly, don't marry her. So anyway, Tina's master plan works out. So thank God she elected to die in childbirth so that Anjali and Rahul could be together because they're best friends and love is friendship. 
Do you think that's why she chose to die in childbirth? No. I think it's I think this movie is that thing. crazy. No, I don't think that she purposefully died in childbirth so that Anjali and Rahul could be together. But, like, it's definitely implied that, like... I think it's part of her calculus. Part of the reason this movie is wholesome is because, obviously, abortion was not an option. Obviously, divorce was not an option. Obviously, any way of like loving more than one person in any way was not an option so the only thing for her character to do for this movie to be wholesome and to allow those two Anjali and Rahul to get together was for her to die it's basically the same thing that happens in Kaho Naho where Shah Rukh Khan has to die so that Rohit and Layla can get together yeah there's this theme I guess in Karan Johar's writing of like the benevolent third member of the love triangle being like you guys should get married and then like pretending to be happy about it, and then either dying or just being pleased with the outcome. It's very noble. Very noble. The noble love triangle. So, all right. We just summarized a three-hour torrid love pentagon? How many people are involved in this? Square? two separate love triangles in the two separate movies. Although I'm now team three movies because of the extensive summer camp sequence. Okay. So, do we find the romance between Rahul and Anjali and Tina... To be believable. And Aman. And Aman. I'm going to go with no. The answer is no. Is it really no? The whole child part really The Tina of it all is madness. The Tina of it all is madness. I don't think it's improbable that best friends could secretly love each other. Sure. That part's probable. That's the only part that is... It's also like Shah Rukh Khan, like in Kaho Naho, just plays this like clowny, jokey character that is not a real person. You know, so it's impossible to know whether their chemistry is real because you're like, that's not a human being. (laughs) Yeah, I think the extent to which it is manufactured by a child at the behest of her dead mother is too much. I think that the love triangle in the college flashback is believable. Sure. I agree with that take. Okay, so then where do we rate this on our 10-point scale with zero being romances totally unbelievable, 10 is we believe all of it? I'd say the college part lifts it up a bit for me. Sure. To like a four That's what I was thinking, like a four. I can go with four. Okay. Yeah, four. Because the future stuff is, or present, I guess, is so much that it's still less believable than not. It was also very douchey of both Anjali, Oljali, and Rahul to not say anything about how they felt and let the jilted person in the love triangle, Aman, end the relationship with Anjali. Like, that is a really not mature thing to do. I mean, Rahul is trying to do the right thing. He's like, it's not my place to Bring mess this up. Marriage. Right, but Anjali choosing to openly weep at her wedding as opposed I think it's on her. to breaking off the relationship, I thought was really not nice of her. But I would say it's her place to break it off, not Rahul's. I agree with that, yeah. Yeah. Do we think that Rahul or Anjali or Tina is dateable? Rahul is, as Claire said, not a human. Anjali, if we cut out the fact that she thinks it's okay to cry at her wedding instead of ending it, yes. Tina... I don't trust Tina. the death part, like that whole part, just college. T- if we go in the context of just the college flashback again. Also, Tina's character was very boring. Like, yes. she was just perfect in every way, and that was not interesting to me. I don't trust Tina, and she's kind of boring. Anjali, I'm all in on. Yeah. I, yeah, I think Anjali is the winner here. So if you had to pick one person in this movie to date, who would it be? Miss Braganza. Miss Braganza, well, you just want to hear a little musical trill every time she walks into the room. Yes. Mark Schaefer, uh-huh. Flirty. <laughs> you know, the flirty teacher trope. But also flirty with everyone, but also wants to marry the principal. She's a very interesting character. Yes. She does appear at the wedding at the end, so there's still hope for her and Mr. Malhotra. Claire, what about you? Um, I am attracted to Amon. I thought he was hot and would like to marry him. He's got lots of money. Yeah, and now he's sad, so... He works in imports and exports, just like Karan Johar before he went to film. Oh, Karan Johar worked in imports and exports? Yeah. So, so does Rahul. Both of the romantic men in this in this movie uh, work in import-exports, and we've seen Rahul's house, so yes, I would like to marry into whatever that nebulous business is. I think I'm going with Anjali. I think she's great. She's fun. Especially flashback Anjali. Mark didn't like how she looked in the flashback. Um, There were just some outfits that I was like. I I mean, obviously, as someone who is a 
a lover of overalls, I was super into her aesthetic. I think you need to price bad outfits into the flashback when you're deciding if you're going to date someone there. She also, Kajal is like a unibrow icon, which is something that I might have to embrace now that I'm going somewhere without my regular threading. So, you know, I, I was really into her look. You should maybe go all the way and commit to playing basketball and... Headbands. Headbands, yeah. Please don't suggest sports as anything I'm likely to do, but headbands and a unibrow could be in my near future. <laughs> all right. Do we think that Rahul and Anjali will stay together? They have to because divorce is not allowed. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I also think they will. Yeah, I think so too. Even in the present day, we still see them getting along really yeah, well. they clearly like each I other. I mean, also, if you've loved someone for like 12 years and they finally get with you, like... I don't think you're ever giving that up, you know? Like, you fought long and hard for that. Okay, normally we would ask if the movie should be made into a musical. This movie is already a musical. Rather than asking if it should be staged, should this movie be remade in any context? No. I think it should just exist. I don't think it needs a remake or there a reboot are, or anything. There have been attempts to, like, make Hollywood-Bollywood mashups. I've seen a few of them. I think that something that was this... Because it was like a gargantuan film. Like, yeah, it was a huge hit. Like, when I started watching Indian movies in high school, I asked my Indian friend, like, what should I watch? And this is always their first recommendation. They were like, oh, you you want to watch an, uh, a Bollywood romance? You have to watch Kuch Kuch Hotahe. And that the jingle, the title song, Kuch Kuch Hotahe, is still like the title music to Karan Johar's film company. Like, it's huge. So I think if you were going to remake any movie, like, I think it's worth something just because of the impact that it had. So I want to pitch you on an idea that I have. It's called Coochie Coochie Hota Hai. No. And it's animated. It's CGI. Um, no. It's got a dog love triangle, and all the other characters are, like, other barnyard animals. And we have it mostly set in, like, the college flashback stuff. But instead of doing the whole, like, dead parent thing, we make it so that Anjali went missing, and we have to have the animals do kind of, like, an action movie to find out what happened to her. Why is it called Cooch Coochie Coochie? I don't get that part. This is, of course, a real project developed by Karan Johar. They mostly made the thing. They put out a trailer that I will put up on our social media page. I must watch this. It was set for a 2011 release. They, like, put out a trailer, put out a poster. It got delayed to 2012, and then disappeared. It's never been released. Nobody knows what happened or why it didn't come out. I cannot wait to watch this trailer immediately after we're done recording. It's super weird. Because like I said, it turns into a spy movie, basically. Not a spy movie, but like an action-packed, we gotta find our friend cars and tech movie. What? It says that it has the same cast. Yeah. So they basically just used the title and the cast, but completely changed the story? It's partially the same, but partially not. It's very weird. Fascinating. So if anyone knows what happened to Coochie Coochie Hotahai, hit us up. We'd love to know. add Coochie Coochie to the list of things I don't want you to say anymore. Why? Do you think it sounds too carnal? It's... <laughs> no. All right. Let's wrap this up before Will can say more of the b- band words. All right. Well, that about does it for this week. Looking towards next week, we're going to continue our month of musicals here at We Love the Love. It's going to be the end of my school year, so we're going to bring back an old favorite guest, Fiona, to talk about TV movies. Yes! School's out for the summer, so we will be discussing High School Musical 2. Another classic. I remember Sharpay sitting by a pool and literally nothing else about this movie. It's a weird movie, but we got to follow Kenny Ortega. Fabulous with Sharpay rivals It's the Time to Disco as an excellent scene. It's so good. Fabulous is, is such a good song. All right. Well, we'll be talking about that next week, so come on back. In the meantime, of course, you can follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at Love the Love Pod, and you can email us questions or movie suggestions at lovethelovepod at gmail.com. Please rate review subscribe last question claire what is the best piece of dating advice you got from cooch cooch hota hi uh instead of just calmly talking about your feelings with a romantic rival you should die and write a letter to your daughter to resolve the issue mark what about you (laughs) i mean i think dying is the main piece of dating advice we got out of this movie best way to date is to die (laughs) but otherwise just like 
be good at basketball and then stop being good at basketball. Or if you're bad, if you're a woman, be bad at basketball. That's what I mean. You have to start good and then put on a sari, maybe the worst outfit you could wear in basketball, and then be bad. Yes. And then men will realize how feminine you are. Look, all I learned from this movie is love is friendship. So I'm going to say the best dating advice is to go up to somebody, preferably while you're riding a skateboard, and beg them to take a friendship bracelet. Yeah, I think that would really work for you, Will. It's the key to everything. I think you should maybe transition to become a skater bro. I mean, I have kind of wide feet, so I could wear the big sneakers really easily. I own a baseball hat that I could wear backwards. I could put blades coming out of my body like Adam X. Riding a skateboard into class sounds like something a classic scroll Crunchner from Fever Pitch would do. Uh, yes, but I feel like a good squonk would not appreciate it. What is happening? <laughs> uh, try listening to our show, Claire. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Claire, this is a throwback to oh, our Fever Pitch really, episode. This is embarrassing for me. <laughs> But it's okay because love is friendship, so you still love me. You told us I. You told us you weren't. I weren't friends. Um. Well, it depends what I want in the, <laughs> in the situation. All right. I'm glad you're leaving. Until next time, I'm a ginger. What? And I'm gay. So between the two of us, we know everything there is to know about romance. Bye. Bye. Bye.